Welcome to the Azure Podcast, a weekly podcast to keep you up to date on what's new on our cloud platform, Microsoft Azure. Your hosts, Cynthia Crane, Evan Basilic, Suji DeMello, Kenno Roden, Kel Teeter, and Russell Young discuss a different service or solution on each show with subject matter experts to explain how to get started, how different services work, and how to make decisions in tricky scenarios. You can find out more about our podcast at azpodcast.com or follow us on Twitter at Azure Podcast. Yeah, thanks for everybody joining here. Uh, I know we have a small audience here today, a bunch of co-hosts and speakers and things and, and some others that uh, have graciously joined. I, I was talking to Sajit and, um, and the, the other team members here for the Azure Podcast about you know, new ways that we could reach out to the audience. And uh, one of the things was this Twitter spaces. Um, it's a little bit more interactive. It allows people to kind of ask questions on the fly or comment on things. Um, so we just kind of wanted to try this out uh, one time here. Um, so that's why we set this up today. Uh, I'm hosting here, so I'm under the Azure podcast uh, thing, but this is Kale. And online here with uh, our main panel here is uh, is Kendall, Sajit, and Russell, and uh, Evan will be joining as well, as usual. Um, I don't know if we should like prepend this with a header, but uh, this technically is our episode 450 uh, for the podcast. Yes, it's the big 450, you know. So that's kind of symbolic. That's cool. Um, but uh, we'll we'll get through our normal kind of pod, uh, flow here uh, with the news. We'll start with that, and then uh, basically uh, we'll talk about some topics around Azure. And Kendall had some things and. It's a little bit unstructured here today because we want to see how this kind of works. And um, for those who are listening, what we're going to do is record this and, and we'll publish it. We'll try to publish it through our normal mechanisms. So our audio listeners who listen to our podcast will catch up on this, even if they're not here live. So um, does anybody have any news? I have a few things, but I'll let others go first if you want to. Yeah, I can call out a few things. Uh, Kale, appreciate that. Uh, thanks, everyone, for joining. Really fun to try something new out. I've never done one of these. So um, just want to, and just to confirm, everyone can hear Kale? Yes, Sajid, we Russell. can hear you fine. Yep. Okay. Yep. okay, perfect. So from like a dev dev perspective, which is the area at Microsoft that I've been working in for the past year, there was a couple of really exciting updates. So one of them is the GA of um, durable function support for Java. And I will just say, I've seen the way that the um, like entire developer division that basically owns a lot of our um, app platform tools and you know Azure functions, static web apps. I know there's been a lot of investment in the Java space. Uh, so I think it's great to be able to have that GA support for this language, just because there's been a lot of demand for this over time. Um, also, another quick announcement is support in Azure Static Web Apps for basically better troubleshooting via diagnostics. So you'll basically be able to have access to you know, data around availability and performance, um, configuration management, and uh, content deployment issues that may or may not be impacting your, uh, like the availability of your static web app. Uh, so I think that's another great, um, another great update. And then um, more selfishly on the container app side, uh, there's a blog post that I'll make sure to share out in the um, in the chat. But we recently uh, launched support for um, container apps via Azure Arc. Um, and so I think that's a pretty announcement. I know the team's been working really hard on that. So um, it's in public preview now. And uh, hopefully we'll see some customers deploy Azure container apps to their own Kubernetes clusters. So those were a few I wanted to call out. Awesome. Uh, Sajid, did you have anything or Russell? 
I've got one um, just on a, a new feature that's been public previewed uh, just this week. I think it was yesterday it went public preview. And it's it's quite an interesting one because it's about Azure Migrate, which is a great service for accessing um, and how to move workloads from on-prem to cloud. And, and this is a feature that they've, they've added that allows you to build a business place a business case rather um and it, it just goes through and kind of gives you a report um that 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 compares the on-premises cost versus the azure total cost of ownership um year on year cash flow and so on and so forth so it's all about how much resource utilization um uh, what servers you've got there what workloads can be put on the cloud and how to right size them and it does all that work for you in in um you know in, in quite quick time so very very nice little tool and add on for those of you looking to move stuff and help with that business justification piece i thought that was really cool nice yeah I was going to also talk about the uh, Azure Arc uh, update, and I want to ask uh, Kendall. Uh, so, what this uh, what this feature means, uh, adding Azure Arc feature to ACA, does that mean that from a developer perspective, you can just uh, use ACA like you do today, but uh, the actual pods are spun up in your own cluster on premises? Is that kind of the end goal for this? Yeah, you know, honestly, I think I think. From my perspective, one of the things I don't know, because frankly, I haven't been involved in the work as much, is sort of what the interaction model looks like, because we don't necessarily have like an open source CLI, right? Like the traditional way of interacting with the services via like the art, you know, the Azure resource provider. And then we have like the container app CLI. Um, so I don't really know 100% if they actually created a companion CLI that you can use against the Kubernetes cluster. Um, but my understanding is you'd basically be deploying kind of the um, open source uh, like specifications or not the open source specifications, but basically the the YAML version of resources that we use on, within container apps. So I'm not sure what the actual model is for the one running on Arc, but I think eventually the goal is, right, how do we make sure that container apps have a really consistent developer experience across, you know, the Kubernetes cluster that you're managing yourself and the version that's provided inside of Azure. Because um, I know with, you know, Kubernetes, when you're doing some of these other like Arc deployments, right? You're still using traditional Kubernetes YAML. And I think that's still the case for uh, container apps. So you don't necessarily get that like abstraction to the same extent, but I definitely think that's something that the Arc team's probably working on. But I'm excited to play around with it myself and kind of see how it works. Awesome, thank you. Yeah, I got a few here too. So uh, as usual, um, I, I have three here actually. One is about uh, data center operations and around the energy in uh, sustainability and consumption footprint. Um, really nice um, kind of write-up written by our customer reliability engineering team um, and talks a lot about like grid stability, like how we're working with local governments and, and regions on you know critical workloads and how we plan for energy grid stability uh, to minimize you know downtime disruption things like that that could happen. Um, the resilient infrastructure you know with our you know higher SLAs and uh, availability zones and different pieces that we add to the cloud to basically make those more resilient. And then obviously it goes on to talk a little bit about resilient workloads and architectures, the well-architected framework that we've talked about on the podcast in the past. And um, yeah, lots of other useful info on you know how Azure is approaching uh, the energy uh, that's being used by the cloud there. Uh, the second one is um, actually quite different. It's around learning. I thought this was cool. I didn't know this actually existed, but uh, there's this new thing called Azure Connected Learning Experiences, CLX, 
which basically is like um, this program that essentially does like a knowledge assessment and then essentially kind of more prescriptively helps you uh, learn cloud, right? Uh, there's like practice tests and there's study materials and all that kind of stuff, but it seems a bit more dynamic than just go to this website and learn these features. Um, so it's more like doing an assessment, finding out kind of what you know, and then which areas maybe you're weaker in or need to learn more about, and then basically making recommendations for you. Um, more of like a self, self-paced self kind of training mode. Um, and I think this actually can lead you up to like certification and things like that for folks who are list- interested in that. And then the last one was more of a, just kind of a shout out. There was a Forrester study about modernizing applications and using platform as a service. Um, yeah, it's long been a uh, kind of mantra here, the cloud, moving things closer to like platform as a service away from things like infrastructure as a service where we have to manage all these virtual machines and things individually has long been kind of a goal of ours to show people the value of that and like where that can actually save them money, um, time and maintenance and all those kind of things that go around with that. So it's for those who've been in the cloud, I think you're well aware of like this, this concept. And, you know, I think this is basically driving home the results of that. I think it was like, there was some study here that showed 228% return on investment when, when using PaaS on modernized applications. So, uh, and it talks through a lot of our different kind of frameworks that we have built up there in Azure that support this PaaS model and then talks about, you know, the legacy models and things like that. So for folks who are interested, it's a really nice kind of article up there about that. I also noticed uh, Cynthia just joined us. Welcome, Cynthia. Thank you, thank you. I was going to say, I, I just saw that CLX thing. That That's really cool. And kind of picking back on that, there are also new role-based skill guides. So there's been a lot of them available already. So for instance, if you're learning to become assist admin, solution architects, developers, these are all ones that are originally available. But now we also have ones for network engineers, uh, backup and disaster recovery, as well as a Java role guide as well. So just constantly new resources for learning. Well, it's kind of timely with our podcast because we've been talking about Java the last couple of episodes, so or uh, in some recent ones anyway. So that's that's really cool. Also, yeah, I'm just going to jump back in and say um, I know we were just talking about the Azure Arc stuff, so, uh, like with Sajit, and I'm going to drop a uh, a link in the chat that Andrew West- Westgarth, which is um, one of the kind of spearhead you know gentlemen that worked on bringing this to the public. And you're totally right. Like you can use the existing interaction model, which is something I haven't worked on Azure Arc in a while, but you can use the Azure portal. You can use ARM. You can use the Azure CLI, regardless of where the container apps are living. So you do get that same interaction model. Um, I think I get mixed up sometimes between kind of the open source world and what Azure Arc provides. But yeah, I mean, it sounds like you basically get to use the exact same interaction model, which is really cool. Um, so that's just something I wanted to call out and I'll drop the, I'll drop the link in the uh, in the tweet thread. Awesome. I think that wraps it up. I think Evan's trying to join us here, but we'll see if we can get him in as well. But uh, yeah, guys, uh, we can just kick this off. I mean, uh, I was chatting with the team about, you know, what kind of topics we could talk about. Typically, you know, towards the end of the year like this, we we sometimes do like little recap shows and talk about like, you know, topics that uh, have come up that have been, you know, reflections back basically on the, on the year. Uh, it's been quite a year this year uh, with, uh, you know, wrapping up uh, of a lot of things with COVID and, and people starting to get back out there again. And then, you know, how that affected some of the cloud workload. So I'll just throw it out here to the group. Anybody wants to jump in with anything or if you have other topics and anybody in the audience here who's listening, if you just, uh, if you want to comment or bring anything up, feel free to raise your hand and we can bring you up on stage for that. 
Yeah, that um, the, the hybrid working and the COVID thing, I think that has been a really interesting observation. And um, I don't think I don't think anyone really could have predicted how it's how it's worked out and how it's ended up. And I'm seeing different experiences every time I go to a different customer or a different different partner site. And um, in fact, I was in the office yesterday. We had a kind of a, a company, uh, you know, a UK wide Christmas do in our in our head office, and it, it's the busiest I've seen the office in probably probably five years. Um, absolutely amazing and, and really nice to connect with people again. But um, outside of that, the day to day is still very much an awful lot working from home getting an awful lot done because you're able to have all those you know meeting five to, to ten different people in a day rather than just one or two um but yeah how, how are you finding it and and i'm wondering if it if it differs between you know the uk parts of the world if there's different experiences going on there yeah same thing here uh russell uh, even in the new york area uh where uh, i went to the office the other day and it was quite a, quite a few people there more much more than i expected they're itching to come back. Uh, I think uh, you know the, the hybrid model is is what everyone's looking forward to, where uh, we uh, have some chance for interaction in the office or uh, at a common place, and then also that flexibility to work uh, remotely as well when required. I think that's that's what everyone's trying to find that sweet spot, uh, whether it's uh, you know more time uh, <clears throat> together or more time remotely uh, is yet to be determined, uh, but. Uh, the current model in this kind of a mix uh, seems to be working well. Yeah, I mean, I, th I think funnily enough, yesterday, although it was really busy and the busiest I've seen it, like I said, it, it was less busy than it would have been because we're plagued by um, a lot of industrial strikes at the moment. So our, our railways aren't very reliable and we've got various other parties on strike and we've had bad weather as well. So there's been a culmination of things. Um, for, you know, first bit of snow in, in the UK always causes big disruption. So, yeah, really interesting. But um, the rest of the time, I think the way that other companies have picked up and embraced remote working and, and just everybody's so comfortable with it now. If you look back sort of two, three years ago before the pandemic, um, a lot of companies wouldn't have entertained uh, allowing their teams to work from home for as long as they do now. Uh, so, yeah, just just really good. Yeah, just from my perspective, um, I've always, it's interesting, you know, I graduated in 2016 from college and immediately came to Microsoft and have literally never had a job that really required me to go into an office, which still kind of baffles me. Um, and I personally am in the camp of like, I love meeting with people and I love being in person. So any opportunities where there were like conferences or, or opportunities to collaborate were great. Um, and I really, I did enjoy just being able to go, uh, you know, I went to uh, KubeCon this year and was able to speak there for my first time, which was kind of wild um, in retrospect, and then was able to go to Microsoft Ignite. And it's just, I really appreciate just the opportunity, you know, within uh, like the comfortable bounds of what people are, you know, feel comfortable with, right? Um, being able to just interact in person, because I do feel like, well, technology is so amazing and that it enables us to work remotely and, you know, do a lot of the same work we were doing. I think there is still a genuine, uh, like, perspective on my end that sometimes the best things happen in those, like, unexpected, we can whiteboard together in a physical space. And so, uh, yeah, just trying to find ways that I can kind of capture some of that energy and excitement uh, in, in my role, you know, moving forward. Um, you know, that you might not always get when you're not in that room, but just figuring out ways how to keep collaboration and that like excitement and maybe those random, you know, brainstorming sessions alive. So I've seen, you know, at least my current team on container apps, like really trying to embrace their, uh, like 
unstructured type of meetings where it can just be a free flow of conversation because I feel like that's definitely something that sometimes gets lost in the shuffle of uh, like the more you know regulated meeting schedule virtually so I've seen that be really effective but um, you know I guess that kind of segues to into uh, the fact that I'm leaving Microsoft uh, tomorrow's my last day uh, which is kind of wild um, <laughs> been there been at Microsoft for six and a half years and like I said since I graduated from college and just like a, you know, funny anecdote, I don't know how many of y'all have been, you know, listening since the beginning, but we're on episode, what, 400 and around 450, I think Kale said. And I, I don't know what episode I actually came in on. It would probably be an easy, easy search, but it was definitely, it had to have been in the 200s. I can't imagine it was, um, it was, I mean, it was a long time ago at this point, probably at least five and a half years ago when I came on. And it's pretty wild to just see how far technology has progressed, how far Azure has progressed, um, the way my career has evolved over time. Um, and I definitely feel like a big you know, part of my learning journey was joining the podcast and learning more about Azure. And it's cool to look back and think about like five, I guess when I started at Microsoft six and a half years ago, I remember uh, walking into the Charlotte office and there was like a mini data center there just like small, like a small room with a bunch of servers. And I genuinely really didn't understand the concept of the cloud at that time. Like I remember the first time I really, somebody explained to me that the cloud had nothing to do with like anything, like anything that had to do with weather did not impact the cloud. I was one of those people, honestly, even after having studied, um, you know, in school, I didn't really put the dots together until somebody like walked me up to that little data center in the Charlotte office and like explained it to me. And now to like see where I am and the kind of space that I work in is pretty amazing. So just like have to give a shout out to uh, not just like Microsoft and Azure for how much, you know, I've learned over time, but definitely this group. Um, it looks like somebody is requesting to speak, uh, Andre. Like, I don't know if we, if we can unmute him, but. Yeah, yeah, we can. Um, like I said, guys, just raise your hand or, or make a request like that. We can bring you up. Uh, before I bring you up there, Andre, um, I just want to say, yeah, Kendall, thanks for being part of the podcast. You're always welcome to keep working with us. Uh, yeah, I'd know, love this. to if y'all keep me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a great uh, collaboration having you. Uh, as you said, uh, you, you, you came on as a speaker uh, on episode 208 uh, on the episode from College to Azure. Uh, that was back in December 14, 2017. And then shortly thereafter, I think you joined in as a co-host. So it's been uh, great having you. Uh, fantastic perspectives that you brought to the show, which we, of course, didn't have before. And, uh, and uh, you know, and then, of course, we had uh, Cynthia join as well. And it's, it's really been great having you guys. Yeah, I'll bring uh, Andre up to the stage here. And then I saw Evan join. But we can chat with him. Kind of going back to the whole hybrid working situation, well, I have not been working, but I've been in full in-person since August. And and it is it has been just really a refreshing being around a lot of people, but that also comes at the cost of people getting sick a lot. That when you're in the same space with like 70 or 300-something people at a given time, you just need one or two people to be sick to get 50 or 100 people to be sick. And other than that, I, as a student, I got to work with Microsoft from a WVD perspective because there's a program we all needed to use on Excel that's only available on Windows machine. And for people that have Macs, they will have to, it's, it, it was such a cool thing to see 
using a product in a completely different context and see how seamlessly it works for everyone and how we literally just need to open up a new browser window and we're able to get there. That's awesome. Hey, Andre, I, 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 I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing your name, but uh, I, I went ahead and made you a speaker if you want to go ahead and uh, chime in here. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, hi, everybody. Uh, my name is Andre. I work in Azure Storage. Um, so, yeah, it was, uh, it, it's good to see that you moved to Spaces. Uh, I spend so much time on Spaces nowadays for other topics. Uh, so good to see Azure uh, kind of more here. Um, it, it just uh, as you as you folks were covering a couple of topics, I had like some contributions. Uh, so when uh, when we were saying that companies are switching to remote work, um, you know, I I, I, I remembered that uh, Microsoft asked us to reduce our VPN usage. Uh, can you imagine how hard it is for other companies to to keep up with you know secure connections and VPNs if if in Microsoft like looks to reduce some costs. Uh, so yeah, just uh, one point I wanted to raise. Um, another one is that uh, you know, return to office. I see that people kind of split. Uh, definitely not 50-50, maybe like 20 to 80. Uh, some people do want to return to office. I remember before COVID uh, in our uh, office here in Redmond, in Northwest of US, uh, uh, even parking was impossible. You kind of uh, you, you you have to leave your car with uh, with a wallet, <laughs> so, uh, like valia parking, uh, and 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 then you need to return back uh, like uh, I don't know before six uh, to 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 be a lucky one who gets the, otherwise it's gonna get complex. So yeah, like uh, I'm in uh, in that group of people who don't want to come back to office uh, until really necessary. Um, yeah, and that kind of brings me back to third point, uh, is that I do miss uh, kind of the ability to whiteboard and brainstorm kind of easily. Um, so in order to improve that situation in remote work environment, uh, what I'm trying to do, and actually it worked really well, uh, especially like with interns, is uh, using Teams functionality. Um, like what it can do, it can, uh, if you have a camera, you can point to a whiteboard, like a physical whiteboard in your home, uh, then it will uh, do like really cool stuff. It will render it nicely, uh, make it high contrast, and uh, kind of it's a one-way whiteboarding experience. Uh, but it's uh, you know better uh, than not having it at all. So uh, yeah, I, uh, th that that's kind of a hack uh, that I'm using. Um, I was also kind of thinking what could be a good high fidelity solutions to draw uh, during presentations. Um, uh, Microsoft Teams allows drawing with the mouse, which is like terrible. Uh, if you have some kind of uh, device that you can join Teams meeting uh, that allows high fidelity drawing, then you are more in luck. So I kind of ended up getting uh, an iPad uh, kind of incorporated with company Intune and so on so that I can uh, have a good drawing experience directly on the meeting. So yeah, just a couple of topics I wanted to raise based on what you discussed and uh, kind of looking forward to, uh, to kind of to see what's next for you. Uh, thank you. Yeah, that's great. Uh, thanks for thanks for that. And uh, yeah, on the whiteboard, real quick. And I know Owen's here, but like, um, ha have you used that uh, our software, like the Microsoft whiteboard? I found that pretty good. I don't know about sharing it. Like, I mean, we sharing also saw it. Like, Evan just joined. Yep. Can you guys hear me? Okay. Yes. Yeah. Just fine. Yeah. Okay. Um, I just wondered, Andre, if you had um, seen any of that as well or used that. Like, I've done that mostly. Like, I draw something out and then share it. 
and the sharing experience is pretty cool, but I don't know, like, real time how Evan, well that works. I'm curious works. from you solving some of the most challenging problems throughout the year, what are <laughs> some of the trends you're seeing? Cynthia, can you hear us? Because I feel like you're coming in delayed. <laughs> I can't, I can't, but it keeps telling me that I'm reconnecting. Can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah. I yeah, think it was like mid talk. <laughs> no worries. Oh, sorry. No worries. No worries. Then I can't hear Kale. Can you hear me, Cynthia? It, it's okay if you can't hear me. I think I've seen these on spaces before where we have to like okay, drop back. somebody. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully she just drops and rejoins. Evan, go ahead, chime in here, man. What's going uh, on? Yeah, I was I, I was gonna say I, I, I had not thought of the second device um for that. That's a great idea. I, as somebody who's been remote for you know, I used to go in the office until they, they evicted me. Um, but, uh, it, you know, as somebody who's been remote from my team, you know, we've, we've tried all the different things. I think the whiteboard does work pretty well. Um, but I, I do think for me, the most important thing come out of this is everybody is equal in this, right? It, it used to be, you know, you'd have one or two people that are hybrid or, you know, one person, and now you're this disembodied voice in the room. It, it's sort of put everybody in level footing and it's actually, I think, made it all up better because, you know, instead of just being a small percentage of people that are impacted by, you know, sort of the disparity of in-person versus hybrid. Now, everybody fights with it at some point or not fights with it. Everybody, you know, sort of tries to work through it at some point. And so now the overall technologies across the board have gotten better. Right. So, so I think that's a great step in the right direction. It'll just continue to get better over time as well. Um, I can't imagine, um, you know, Cynthia talking about, you know, I think back to some of my you know, freshman chemistry classes and whatnot, where there were 250 people in the room. Um, I can't imagine that these days. I, I, I don't miss that at all. Yep. It's also good to have, like, some folks on here from, like, uh, product teams like like Andre and otherwise. Oh, yeah. some others. Andre Can doesn't you? know it, but he's gonna. we're going to make him come back and talk about something he's working on <laughs> later as a guest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I was thinking, like, and we've talked about this before, um, about, like, Basically, maybe this could be a medium where we could open up more direct, you know, feedback from the community. Like we, we bring folks on to talk at like a 100 or 200 level about, you know, some specific feature or different version or, or something about Azure. And um, we're thinking maybe this could be a, a way to open up lines of communication easier of like, oh, I tried to do this thing. It didn't work. Or how do you do this? You know, more, more um, interactive type stuff. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, Kale. Uh, so just uh, kind of, you know, shifting gears to a topic that's maybe a little more Azure focused. Uh, one of the things that I've been uh, working on or looking at on the side is to host uh, a Mastodon instance on Azure, right? Uh, currently, uh, we don't have uh, like a Mastodon, um, whatever, community uh, that supports uh, that, that, that can help Azure users on, uh, on Mastodon. And so uh, I figured, okay, let me look into see if I could create a Mastodon instance for Azure, uh, so that uh, folks that are interested in Azure can use that as a as a venue to discuss about uh, Azure uh, topics and technologies. Uh, so I've started the process of uh, spinning one up, and it's interesting. Uh, you know, I, I, it's still a work in progress, but uh, I just wanted to share with you where we're at right now in that process, and uh, hopefully it will be up and running in the next few days. Uh, so go ahead, Kale. Uh, uh, yeah, I was just I was just gonna don't, not to cut you off. I just wanted to ask, like, so it maybe give everybody a, what's the different? What is Mastodon? Like, what's the purpose? Is it like um, is it like Slack or Teams? Like a chat based thing? Is it voice? Is it like this with Spaces? Or what's the differentiator there with what Mastodon does? Thank you, Kale. I was going to ask as well. 
yeah, it's like a microblogging uh, system, uh, right? Uh, and microblogging is uh, is very wide in its uh, in, in terms of the the size of uh, messages that you put into it. Uh, it can it can go from all all the way to small messages like uh, the way Twitter or SMS handles it, uh, all the way to you know writing uh, you know, small size blogs, right? So between. Uh, is uh, is the kind of sweet spot that Mastodon uh, seems to go for, and it's a it's a, um, a decentralized system. So there's not a single Mastodon uh, service or owner. There is uh, many instances. Typically, an instance uh, supports a specific community. Uh, you know, there's obviously communities. Actually, there's a community for for AWS in there, and uh, that's what got me thinking that maybe we should have one for Azure as well. So uh, I have uh, obtained the uh, domain name for azuretalk.social, which seems to be a, like a convenient name uh, to use for the Azure community in Mastodon. And so each one of these communities, uh, yeah, which uh, are owned by different people, uh, can uh, have their own domain names, but they all federate with each other. So they're all treated as one uh, gigantic stem. Uh, so although you could be logged into or have an account on one community, uh, that does not stop you from uh, seeing or uh, looking for things or communicating with people on other communities or other other instances. And there, I think there are uh, you know thousands of instances of these uh, world, uh, growing every day. Uh, so that's a, it's, it's think of it as a you know a, a decentralized microblogging uh, system. Uh, it supports mostly text and images and maybe video, uh, like uh, you know just uh, video clips. Uh, there isn't uh, something like Twitter Spaces, uh, like a live system in there. Uh, for that, you'd have to use something else uh, like Twitch or uh, or something uh, that's already existent, and then link it to that uh, that that kind of chat or community that you're you're starting in that instance. Does that help? This reminds me of a technology that existed years ago, something called Echo Mail, which was a bulletin board to bulletin board kind of peer messaging system. Yeah. Um, when you had to dial into a specific somebody's computers, basically, you just had to dial into those and you would put your messages up there and then they would get sent on overnight to other servers and then readers on those servers that could dial in could see your message then. But Correct. It is federated in that way. Exactly correct. Yes, uh, there have been uh, kind of connections made to IRC, IIRC and, uh, and other such right. systems, uh, which are essentially federated uh, systems that, eventually all communicate with each other. And they use a protocol called ActivityPub, uh, which is becoming quite popular uh, to talk to each other. So as long as you uh, you can talk ActivityPub, uh, any, any any system, you know, even if, for example, I mean, I'm not suggesting this was gonna happen, but you know, if you know, Instagram wanted to connect to, uh, to, uh, to, uh, to this uh, uh, federated system, I think they call it the Fediverse is a generic term that's used to, used to describe it. But all of these systems are connected uh, together. Uh, they could talk activity pub to uh, you know if they can talk to activity pub they can they can plug in you know into uh, into the overall fediverse. So we're just adding uh, you know I just looked into how we could add uh, essentially support for Azure uh, discussions uh, in the fediverse uh, using Mastodon as a, as a software. Mastodon is essentially the software that makes all of it possible. So the, the software is Mastodon. Uh, you know, the, uh, you can have n number of instances of Mastodon, each supporting different communities, and all those communities federate with each other using the activity pub. And that's how it becomes uh, one. 
And, and I don't know if you mentioned it there, if I missed it, I was doing some things here, but like, is that, uh, it's full open source? Like you can actually see all the internals of how it works or? Absolutely. Everything. It's, it's very, very open. There's no, nothing uh, kind of hidden over there, including, uh, you know, of course the software itself, uh, the, uh, if you go, if you look for Mastodon, how to host it, uh, you'll, 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 you know, you'll find detailed instructions, which I'm trying to follow right now on how to host it. Even uh, things like uh, the moderation uh, of the communities is pretty much done on a community by community basis. There are specific, uh, you know, volunteers that uh, will will moderate uh, or, or, or draw up rules for engagement in that community. So you have to make sure that you know you join a community that has the uh, the, the level of interaction that you want and also uh, the uh, level of moderation uh, that you're looking for uh, on those communities. Uh, and you know, you're not, you're not, you're not, you're not, no one's tying you down to a specific community. You can, if you join a community, you say, hey, this is not for me. I want to go somewhere else. You can actually move your account as it is, including all your followers uh, to another community. So you can, your followers will follow you uh, wherever you go. Well, yeah, it'll be interesting to see when we get that thing stood up, if we can uh, host uh, something through there and, uh, and see how that works. Yeah. <laughs> so I just wanted to kind of, I was going to say, Sajid, the the question is, did you use bicep? Did you use arm? Did you use CLI? Now we we got to know the technical (laughs) here. So since this is just in the initial starting phases, I just use the Azure portal uh, to spin up uh, uh, an an Ubuntu. So primarily this thing runs on Ubuntu Linux, right? Uh, So I spun up uh, just a kind of plain vanilla Ubuntu uh, 20.04 instance. uh, And... um, and then there's a whole set of instructions. You got to, of course, install some software. So some of the things that uh, it uses is Postgres as a database. Uh, it uses Redis uh, for the cache, uh, and this is, these are all components installed in that uh, in that in, in that Ubuntu instance. And then it uses, of course, a lot of storage. Uh, and then it needs uh, some way to send email because you know you have to send emails to to. Uh, to the uh, people who sign up just to verify uh, who they are. So there's like an SMTP component to it as well. And then finally, it uses Nginx uh, as like a front door to control access and uh, do all the routing within all of the service. The, the software they use is uh, primarily Ruby on Rails uh, for, for most of the website, and some of the streaming is done in Node.js. So those are the two uh, kind of uh, platforms or techn- development platforms that I use in uh, Mastodon. So all of that has to be installed. Uh, and, uh, you know, I've been now starting to uh, kind of uh, figure out, you know, how would we uh, make this into something more production ready, right? What are the things that we would have to tease out of this installation? Because right now it's a single box installation. Obviously, that's not going to scale up uh, in any way. It's just more for testing to make sure that everything works right. Uh, so obviously, when it comes to um, Ubuntu itself, uh, we could probably use something like uh, virtual machine scale sets right, to kind of stamp out additional instances of uh, Ubuntu. So that's one area that I'm looking at is, you know, how, uh, and that's when, as you said, Evan, we'd have to uh, make sure that the, um, that each of these instances is configured and the software is installed uh, before it is spun up. So we'll have to create some, uh, some of those uh, uh, extensions uh, you know, with the correct uh, um, ARM templates or uh, scripts, uh, you know, bash scripts, et cetera, to set up these instances as they are uh, to, the, to the scale set. So that's uh, kind of step number one, maybe USB MSS. 
then for the database, we do have the managed Postgres database, which is convenient. So I'm uh, looking at externalizing that Postgres database out of the uh, Ubuntu instance into an external uh, managed Postgres. Uh, when it comes to Redis, the same thing. Uh, conveniently, we have a, a, a very nice uh, Redis service in Azure. So we'll use Azure Redis. And again, uh, it's a matter of reconfiguring all of the instances to point to that external uh, Redis. Uh, one of the most tricky parts about uh, Macedon is its storage requirements. Right? It is very, very heavy on storage because as you can imagine, as uh, you know, I mean, the, the database is not used to store everything. It's just used to store essentially users and uh, and some uh, metadata, but most of the tweets, et cetera, and all and whatnot, uh, or the, the uh, can we call it you know, toots, or uh, I'm not sure what the correct, uh, I forget what the right uh, term is in uh, in the Fediverse, but uh, those are stored in, uh, in, in storage. And so we have to, uh, there's a lot of storage, of course, for, for images, for videos, the storage becomes something that uh, will will get you into trouble very quickly. And most of the admins who run Macedon instances today uh, struggle with storage because they're always adding uh, to storage. Of course, we have blob storage uh, in Azure, which sounds like uh, the perfect way where we could just point to blob storage. Uh, blob storage, of course, can expand and extend as, as much as you can. So we're not going to be worried about capacity. Uh, of course, uh, the problem is, you know, how do you integrate uh, Mastodon with Blob Storage? And so um, uh, there is a feature, or there's a, someone's written some open source software called Blob Fuse, which apparently will work. So I'll, uh, I'm going to look at Blob Fuse, which will essentially allow uh, the Ruby on Rails or the Node.js stations to talk directly to Blob Storage without having me having to rewrite code, you know, re rewrite that part of the code. Uh, so blob fuse is something uh, I'm going to be looking at uh, to extend to the Azure storage. And then, of course, we'll probably use like some of the, the more premium storage uh, options available in Azure uh, just to get that additional performance. Uh, and then um, uh, in terms of the Nginx uh, the front end, uh, you know, I'm looking at using something like WAF uh, in the front end or and even our Azure CDN or Frondo. Uh, all of those are uh, kind of candidates for for caching some of the items. You know, uh, Macedon's a pretty uh, chatty, uh, and even the activity pub is pretty chatty at times. So making sure that uh, things are cached on the edge as much as possible is very important, so that you don't keep hitting your um, your Ubuntu server for uh, just minor requests. So you're certainly going to look at that to uh, to help with the scalability. So that's yeah, where that's, I'm at with the with the rollout. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, I'm, I'm. You know, again, who sees? Who depend? You know, we'll see what the scale needs. But I, I love to see putting front door and you know and WAF there to start with, because I work yeah. with so many people that you know they build something and they oh god I get you know lots of volume or now I'm getting attacked and and now they have to sort of shoehorn that stuff back into their in their in their production environment. Right. So it's better to just start when start where you got it. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know off the top of my head the the um, billing constructs for those. But, you know, again, if you're doing it's always better to just to, to have the resources and size them small so that at least they're there versus having to, to put it in later. Yep. And I forgot to mention that the most amount of time I spent was trying to figure out how to get that SMTP connection because, as you know, Azure doesn't have an SMTP uh, option available out of the box. Uh, luckily, we have the SendGrid service, which is uh, available from the market measure. So I was able to install SendGrid and then configure it with my domain that I had uh, purchased from GoDaddy, uh, the Azure Talk with Social Domain. 
and uh, I was able to get SMTP working uh, from uh, mm. from Mastodon through SendGrid. So that so you see uh, it, there is there is a first party email um, connection now in Azure Communication Services. I think it's in public preview, but it is available. <laughs> I, I, it's funny you should mention that, Russell. I did. That's where I first started. I said, let me look at ACS, and I actually configured it. I got it all working with my uh, my domain. But uh, unfortunately, ACS does not have an SNTP endpoint. You have to write your code specifically with the ACS SDK to be able to send emails. You know, uh-huh. so what that would mean that, that would require that I have to. I mean, I probably may look at it at some point, make a pull request into Mastodon into the source code to to have that available as an additional plugin, uh, but you know, we'd have to change the code, right? So if you want to talk direct SMTP uh, with no changes to the application, uh, then um, the SendGrid option worked best. Uh, I was able to just uh, define the domain. Uh, I set up an API key in SendGrid and configure that API key in Mastodon, and voila, I got my email uh, in my account. So I'm glad you told me that because I've got some stuff using SendGrid and I was going to port it over, but... Um... Maybe I'll have to do some research for a day. <laughs> sure. Where's yeah, no, Russell, you had uh, mentioned some stuff uh, offline here about like uh, maybe something we could bring up and go around the panel here and talk about is like one of the what features you're looking forward to, you know, in the next year, you know, or coming forward in Azure. Uh, um, I'll kick it off and then hand it to somebody. Obviously, uh, in every podcast, we have to talk about blockchain and Web3. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> I want to continue to see that grow. Obviously, it's a big part of, of what I do. Um, you know, we've done a lot of things, you know, leading up to this over over many years uh, with partners, first party, you know, dev tools, node infrastructure, these kind of things. And that's going to continue to grow. Right. Uh, we just want to keep you know moving along there. You know, now things with GitHub you know, starting to bring things like GitHub Actions and, and some integration there for people who are, you know, getting more mature with this stuff and want to do like CICD for or, or smart contract lifecycle type stuff. That's something that we had a gap on, right? And then work on that to improve developer functionality so and productivity. So I think that's, that's a key point. And then obviously things continue, right? Like with zero-knowledge proofs, we, I think we've talked about that on some past podcasts. Um, just some different technology around encryption that's coming as part of the blockchain Web3 movement. Uh, for me, that's that's where my heart's at. So I hope I see see that grow uh, over the coming years in Azure. And uh, I'll just hand it to you, Sajit, and we can just pass it around the room. Sure, yeah. Uh, for me, uh, we did that uh, little uh, discussion on... Um, uh, on the Azure innovations that Mark Rosinovich did at Ignite. And of course, the one that I really uh, looking forward to from there is uh, the, 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 some of the work in the quantum computing space. Uh, I mean, uh, I think that's like the, the, the next uh, frontier for all of our workloads uh, in terms of what, what can and cannot be done in the cloud. And looking forward to some of the breakthroughs that uh, were made there and to see if uh, we have something uh, that we could start using. Uh, you know, I think everyone should start getting more familiar with QSharp as a programming language uh, to take advantage of uh, quantum computing in the future and uh, looking forward to doing that in the coming year. Uh, yes, uh, maybe uh, Russell, uh, want to go next? Yeah, I think for me, I mean, now that I know there's no SMTP server, that would that would be my number one wish list for Christmas from uh, from Azure as the ACS uh, extension. <laughs> um, other than that, I'm looking forward to seeing how Azure Container Apps matures and lands over the next sort of six months or so. Um, I'm seeing an awful lot of interest in it, and I can see its appeal to to, to many people. So yeah, just looking forward to seeing how that works out. Uh, Cynthia, are you still with us? 
I'm, I, I'm still here. Um, I'm actually really curious to see how the landing zones that we've had people come on to talk about continues to integrate with the Azure portal. Because right now it's still a somewhat disjointed experience. And I know those are some early conversations I was having with the teams when I was still at Microsoft. So I'm, I'm, really, too curious, I'm really curious to see where that goes and if it will become something that you'll see on the Azure portal and can deploy directly from there. Awesome. Uh, I do have a question for Cynthia. Uh, like, I was wondering, like, in the uh, in the academia space, uh, you know, what, how does like cloud computing and even Azure even fit in? Do people like is that still a big thing in in academia these days? The biggest thing is digital transformation, and people have mm. very very many interpretation of what that means, but. We, during classes, we did a case around servers, and that was as close as we got to the cloud. <laughs> but those were mainly like IaaS, and they're talking about storage, and I'm like, ugh, but they can do so many more amazing things. I thought digital transformation was the metaverse. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's exactly what I mean. Like, it's open <laughs> to interpretation, whatever yeah. digital transformation means for you. Well, Fediverse is a new one of me today, so that's that's my my new learning. Nice. Well, I I do want to. I know these. I've been on a bunch of these Twitter Spaces that go on for literally five six hours long, and this is not going to be one of those today. <laughs> but uh, no, we kind of wanted to like try this out and then basically keep this to relatively around what our normal time is, which is like that's, and we're pretty much a little over that right now. This way, our our listeners who want to listen to this, you know, later. Um, uh, something that they can listen to uh, that's that's pretty achievable while they're doing their workout and whatnot. So I do want to kind of wrap it up here, but if there's any like um, finishing thoughts, my only uh, feedback here, and, and this will go out to anybody who's listening to this, either live here, the handful of people we have or, or remote is, you know, what do you think about this? Um, do you like, do you want to come on and do some interaction with it? How does it feel whenever you're listening to this versus like what we do before? Love to hear any feedback. So you can just like give us a, a tweet. Um, on the Azure podcast over there and, and we can see what that feedback looks like. But anybody else have anything before we wrap up here? Yeah, I certainly like this medium uh, a lot. It's uh, it's more energizing. I think uh, nice to see some, some of the uh, audience uh, jump in. Uh, we had some folks on the Azure storage team that jumped in. So great to see that uh, interaction there. Looking forward to more of these. Uh, I know we probably wouldn't do it uh, like every episode, but uh, maybe... You know, every so many episodes, we'll, we'll have one of these live shows. Yeah, it feels like early days with uh, the podcast when we started. There was no listeners at all. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we have a handful here live, but, uh, you know, maybe it could grow, you know. Thanks for Go suggesting ahead. it, Kale. Yeah, yep. Great, Go ahead, great Russell. Idea. Did you have anything there? I didn't know. Yeah. No, no. Sorry, I just left myself off mute. No, it's been, it's been fun. It's good. Well, again, thanks for everybody who came on here live. We'll wrap this up now. Um, for those who contributed here, uh, come up on stage. Um, thanks for that. And uh, anybody listening remotely, thanks for listening. We'll get this published uh, in our normal routine here. Thanks again. Take care, everybody. Bye. Bye. Thanks, everyone. Have a good Happy holidays. holidays. See you guys. Thank you for listening to the show. If you have any thoughts, questions, or just want to connect, find us on Twitter at Azure Podcast. Background music has been taken from ccmixer.org under the Creative Commons license. We hope you'll tune in again soon to keep learning with us.